0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in Mark as we think about the feeding of the 5,000. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day that you have gathered us here, that you might distribute to us the good news of life and salvation, which Jesus Christ has purchased for us with his own blood. We pray this day, Lord, that as we hear the good news of your gospel, that we would be enriched and strengthened to go forth and proclaim it to others. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're looking at that uh, miracle story, that account of that miraculous event roughly 2,000 years ago when Jesus fed... 5,000-plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, this is a very famous miracle of Jesus. It's a very popular miracle of Jesus. Uh, but I've got to tell you, for me, it's a very difficult miracle to preach on. In fact, I find it to be this way, that whenever it comes time to preach on the miracles of Christ, it's a really difficult thing to do. And the reason is, I think, is as I was contemplating this, It's hard to preach on miracles because very often I don't find a whole lot of comfort in the miracles of Jesus. To be sure, I think they're incredible. I think they are amazing. But it's hard for me to find comfort in the fact that sometime 2,000 years ago, Jesus fed 5,000 people in a miraculous way. It's an amazing thing to think about. But I wasn't there. So it becomes kind of difficult. And I know it's probably difficult for some of us here to think about these miracles of Jesus. I know this because every time I teach on the miracles, somebody always asks the question, why don't we see anything like this anymore? Sometimes we don't always find a lot of comfort in these miracle stories. It's not always that comforting to know that Jesus did something amazing roughly 2,000 years ago. Don't get me wrong, as I've mentioned already, I'm sure it was a remarkable event. It really would have been something to have been there. I mean, just imagine it for a minute, right? There you are. You followed Jesus. He was on one side of the lake. You saw him going to the other side, and so you hiked a great distance so that you could see this Jesus. You could hear this Jesus. You could touch this Jesus. You might receive a miracle from this Jesus. Your anticipation is high. And just imagine him him getting off the boat, and he looks at you, and he looks at this great crowd around you. And his eyes are filled with love and compassion. And he begins to teach. He begins to teach you about the kingdom of God in this world and how he is ushering in this reign of peace with the Father in heaven. And you're captivated by this. And just imagine how amazing that would have been until your stomach started growling. Because you realize you took a really long hike to see this Jesus. And the closest in and out is 55 minutes away and it's closing in 60 minutes. And you want to eat. But as you sit there in hunger, you look down and just imagine the conversation taking place between Jesus and his disciples. You see them in the distance and and the conversation looks a little confused. Jesus is giving instruction and the disciples look somewhat befuddled. And suddenly they start walking towards you with this sense of amazement on their faces with baskets full of bread and fish. And they distribute it to you. And just imagine how good it must have tasted. And you eat The text says they ate and they were satisfied. You were full. You had leftovers. Just imagine you giving those leftovers to the disciples and just being amazed at all Jesus had just done for you. You just think about it. That had to be fascinating and amazing and thrilling. Can you imagine that? I hope you can imagine a little bit because that's really all you're going to get to do. (laughs) Because we weren't there. All we can do is hear the word and imagine what it must have been like. I wasn't there and neither were you. And and it becomes frustrating because we begin to wonder, why doesn't Jesus deal with me in this way? Why doesn't he show up? And when my immediate needs arise, why doesn't he meet those immediate needs? Why doesn't he feed me like he fed them? I mean, I believe he can. I read these stories in the scriptures. I read these historical accounts of what Christ has accomplished. I know he can do these things for me but it just seems sometimes like he only did that stuff a long time ago and I don't see the same sort of miraculous events in my life I don't get to encounter this Jesus I have a hard time drawing comfort from a Jesus that I don't really feel like I encounter I mean I think this is the trick for us when we hear the miracle stories of Christ On the one hand, we love it. We're amazed at what Jesus can do and what he has done. And on the other hand, we're wondering, why couldn't we get a little bit of that action? Why couldn't we have been there? Why isn't he doing this now? And to be fair, I know that many of us here have experienced some pretty remarkable and inexplicable things in our own time and in our own days. But honestly, not a single one of us has ever seen Jesus face to face and seen him feed thousands upon thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And maybe that's really the problem. We've never seen Jesus. We can't see Jesus. Can we even find this Jesus? If he was here, could we even find him? Now we're going to come back to that question in a second. So I want to take that question, can we find this Jesus? And I want us to set it aside for a moment. We'll come back and revisit it. And now I want to ask another question before we go back there. And I want to ask this question today if we cannot sort of get back to that miraculous moment, if we cannot sort of encounter Jesus in the same way, or at least if we have not encountered Jesus in the same way, the question I have is, why do the disciples, the apostles, include this account in the scriptures at all? Because it's a fairly significant account. It's a pretty important one. So important, in fact, that all four of the gospel writers include it in their gospels. The only other miracle that's included in all four gospels is the resurrection itself. So certainly the disciples see this thing as being rather significant. Now, are they just putting it in the gospel so that they can say, boy, you really should have been there. It would have been something for you to see this. Sorry you couldn't make it. No, I don't think that's it. I don't think they're just here to kind of throw it in our faces. Maybe they're doing it for this reason. Maybe they want to show us, they want to prove to us that Jesus is in fact God. And now I think that's getting closer to it. I certainly think that's one of the reasons why uh, this has been placed in the Scriptures. Because what we see Jesus doing here with these 5,000 people is the very sort of thing God does with his people throughout the Old Testament. Remember? We see this when the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness. God feeds them with miraculous bread from heaven. The account starts today with Jesus looking on these people as though they are sheep without a shepherd. And we heard this in our readings from the Old Testament today, that God is going to be the one to shepherd his people. And I love this little detail that Mark throws in there. Did you catch this? Mark says that he saw these people and he had them sit down on the green grass, as opposed to the purple grass. He points out that it's the green grass. Now, why the green grass? Because it reminds us of Psalm 23, where the good shepherd makes his sheep lie down in green pastures, leads them beside still waters. This is This is Jesus being God to his people, and it's wonderful to see, and it's a miraculous thing to witness. But again, is that really just the only point here? To show us what Jesus is capable of doing? Is that all the gospel authors are up to, to show us some cool stuff that Jesus did a long time ago? Or is there something more to it? Now, of course, uh, you can kind of see where I'm going with this. I do think there is something more going on in this passage today. And I don't know if it's really found in the miracle itself, as amazing as that is. I don't think this miracle account is merely about what Jesus is capable of doing. It's not just about Jesus, but it is about who Jesus is for his people. It is about who Jesus is for you and for me and how he comes to us. This really is a miracle about how the gospel works for you and for me. So to find comfort in this account this morning, we've got to start earlier than the miracle itself. And I alluded to this already. We need to start with Jesus getting off of the boat. And what we find here is Jesus gets off the boat and he looks out and what does he see? 5,000 of his closest friends suffering. 5,000, really, we know from the other gospel accounts, it's 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're talking thousands upon thousands of people here. And Jesus looks out on them and he notices that they are hurting that they are broken, that they are guilty, they are sinful, that they are living in darkness, they're living under a corrupt political system, under this, this tyrant Herod who we heard about last week chopped the heads off of the prophets. Jesus sees them in this situation, and the text tells us, and Jesus looked upon them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them, and that is a deep-seated emotional word there. He had compassion on them. So what does he do? Mark writes, so he began to teach them many things. He begins to deliver his word to them. Here comes this group of people in need of something, some hope, some good shepherd who will look after them. And the good shepherd gets off the boat and his eyes fall upon these people. And oh boy, then he gets them. He sees them in their need, and he begins to deliver his gifts to them. He delivers the goods to them. He begins to teach them. Now, the the text doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus taught them, but we can surmise what he was teaching them uh, by going uh, throughout the rest of the gospel lessons there in the Gospel of Mark. He was teaching them about the reign of God. He was most likely teaching them about repentance, turning from their own sins and coming to the kingdom. He was giving to them the forgiveness of their sins, just like we see Jesus doing with that paralytic so many days ago in the, the Gospel accounts. We see Jesus forgiving. We see Jesus teaching. We see Jesus calling to repentance. We see Jesus ushering in the reign of God. He's gathering the sheep, and he's leading them to safe pasture. He sees the need of this people as not merely food, but they need a good shepherd, so Jesus gives himself to them as that very shepherd. Now, earlier I said we were going to deal with this question, can we ever find this sort of Jesus? Can we ever find this sort of shepherd? So let's pick that question back up and start thinking about it again. Can we, as these sheep, ever find such a shepherd? And I guess theologically speaking, biblically speaking, uh, the answer to that is no. We won't find this shepherd because we're not even really looking for him. We're like sheep who have gone astray. Isaiah the prophet writes it this way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We won't find the sort of Jesus that comes to us because we're not looking for him. We're not looking for the right kind of Jesus. We are wayward, lost sheep. The good shepherd finds. He finds you. We're not looking for him, but the gaze of the shepherd falls on you. He sees us wayward and sinful sheep he sees us we who who want to use jesus for a free meal and a quick fix he sees us in sort of lost and, and wandering and he gives us something far better he gives us a gracious god who looks upon sinners with compassion in his eye we get a jesus who searches us out finds us straying rescues us and carries us back into the fold we have a good shepherd who looks on us in need and does something truly remarkable, he is a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who offers his life up as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins and for my sins, who rises again to promise us a place in his kingdom forever to bring us to those green pastures and those still waters where he will restore not our bellies, but our souls. This is the good shepherd that we get. And what I want you to notice today is how the good shepherd works. How he gives out the gifts that he has for us. How he delivers his goods. Notice what he does here today. He gathers all these people up and then he says this uh, to the disciples. uh, You give them something to eat. And the disciples look at each other and say, we don't have anything to give them. How could we give them something to eat? We've got nothing prepared. Jesus says, and Jesus says, and this is, this is my translation, yeah, no kidding. So you give them what I have for them. You give them what I have to distribute. And the disciples hand over the goods of Jesus with their own hand. This is how Jesus works in his church today. He comes and he gives us the good things that he has prepared for us by means of others. He comes to us with his word. I mean, this this feeding at the 5,000 is really a preview of what he's going to accomplish and how his ministry is going to work through his church throughout the history of the world. Remember that night after he rose from the dead Easter evening? He appears to the disciples in the upper room and he finds them there and he says to them, Peace be with you. And he doesn't say, you know, go give them some food. No, instead he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And he says, Who's ever sinned, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And who's ever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And whatever forgiveness you withhold, it's withheld. And the idea here is simply like this. Jesus is coming and saying, look, here's all the fish and the bread I'm putting into your hand. I'm giving you the forgiveness of sins. If you go out and feed them this food, they're going to eat it. But if you hide those baskets, they're never going to know what I've done for them. So go and give out the food. You give them something to eat. You give them the forgiveness of their sins. One of the things I love about our sanctuary is this stained glass back up here. I like this stained glass because there's Jesus, and he's the good shepherd right there. That's why he's got the shepherd hook there. That's, that's what's going on. And notice who's around Jesus here. There's a sheep, and there's children. And I, and I love that. Because as we look at this stained glass, every time you see this stained glass, I want you to remember uh, that you are numbered with those children. You are numbered with that sheep because you are the children of the Heavenly Father. You are the good sheep of the shepherd. And look at the gaze of Jesus. It's hard to tell a stained glass gaze what it's actually doing, but I like to think of it like this, that Jesus is looking on that little girl there who's sort of sad at looking. He's looking on her with compassion. He's touching her with her hand. And all of these children are gathered around Jesus. The sheep is gathered around Jesus. And I love this picture because notice all the green in it, like the green grass. And I always feel like, you know, when you look at this picture, it kind of extends down here to the altar, to the rail, I should say. So that when you come to the rail to receive the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, you're there numbered with them, and he's looking with compassion on you. It's almost as if Jesus is looking down through that window at us as we come here. And it's here in this moment where Jesus has has, uh, commanded me and all the guys who are up here to give you something to eat we don't have anything of our own. We come with bread and we come with wine. That's Jesus' very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And so you come to this rail and you sit down on the green grass. The whole while Jesus is looking on you with compassion, giving you food to eat, delivering to you the forgiveness of your sins with his very body and blood in the bread and in the wine. The beautiful thing. The beautiful picture, this imagery we have as we receive the gifts of Christ. It also reminds me a little bit today about uh, this missionary we had here on Thursday. Many of you joined us on Thursday for 50 plus. We had a missionary from Ferguson, Missouri, a pastor named Micah Glenn. And Pastor Glenn was there and he was talking to us about the work that the Lord is doing through him uh, for that really torn apart community. There's all kinds of problems in Ferguson. There's racial disparity. There's all kinds of economic divisions. And there's a lot of issues going on. And he was telling us about his ministry there. They don't have a church. He doesn't have a Lutheran church that he works out of. He's got like one little office. And he opens his office door around 10 a.m. And he says the line is so long he could be dealing with people from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And people walk in there and they're broken and they're hurting and they're guilty and they're in need. And so he counsels and he ministers to people for hours upon hours every day with nothing of his own. Simply giving them something to eat that Jesus has placed in his hand. Giving them counsel and forgiveness from the word of God. This has been going apparently rather well because now what's happening is those people are even more hungry. They want more. They're crying out for more. They're asking for something to eat so they're starting to do Bible studies together. And they're going to start establishing multiple Bible studies throughout the week there in Ferguson. And and prayerfully, this is going to uh, grow into an actual congregation where then all those sheep will know they have this place to gather and to receive Christ's gifts for them. It was remarkable to hear uh, what God is doing through uh, Pastor Glenn there in Ferguson. I encourage you to pray for him. If you want more information about the work that he's doing there, uh, please catch me after the service today. I've got a lot of information He's really someone we should be praying for and and thanking God for, for what God is accomplishing through him. He's feeding the people with with what Christ has given them. But here's the thing. This call to distribute the gifts of Christ doesn't only fall to missionaries. It doesn't only fall to pastors. It comes even to you this morning. The Lord Jesus comes to you today. And he looks at you and he says, you give them something to eat because as Jesus looks upon you as sheep without a shepherd, he looks out into this world and what does he see? A lot of wayward sheep lost and wandering in the darkness and he wants to gather them back. How's he going to do it? The same way he's always done. He puts a message in your mouth to go out and to proclaim to them, you give them something to eat. You call them to join us. You bring them here. You tell them of their forgiveness. You tell them of the salvation that has been won for them by God who put on flesh and died and rose. You deliver to them Jesus Christ. You say, oh, we don't have anything to do that with. No, you don't. But Jesus has put something in your mouth. His message. His forgiveness. How are they going to hear unless we deliver this good news into their ears, into this heart, their hearts? This message. This message that finds you even here this morning this message that has told you some good news, dear sheep. You did not seek him, but Jesus sought you. His gaze of mercy has fallen upon you. You are his forgiven and his beloved sheep. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. You, therefore, are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You, dear sheep, today can rejoice, for you have a very good shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the forgiveness of sins and the life and salvation that has been won for us by our good shepherd who has laid down his life. We pray this day, Lord, that as we come to the altar to receive the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, we would be fed and nourished, that you would restore our souls. But also, Lord, send us out with your word on our lips to be light in this dark world and to bring hope into hopelessness. Help us to declare your forgiveness and your mercy. We ask all of this for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. It's in His name we pray. Amen.